Joining me in the studio now is Fremantle legend Paul Hazelby. Of course, he's also one half of the run home with Hayes and Mardo, which will come at 3 p.m. this afternoon on SENWA. Hayes, welcome. Hey, great to be with you again, Duff. It's interesting, isn't it, the, the age of the Fremantle Dockers? But I can't buy into it, to be honest, because it's self-inflicted. They made themselves younger this year with a number of the changes that they made. If you look at, obviously, David Mundy's going to make a massive difference to any age bracket when he retires, given that he was 36-37. Rory Lobb, of course, senior player. Blake Akers, senior player. And Griffin Logue and Darcy Tucker, senior player. So most of that was self-inflicted. So you end up with a younger group. Yes, they're younger, but, you know, they should be in a position where they're contending, and that's coming from people with inside the football club. So were they right? Monday, I mean, no one actually retires, do they? You have the chat to the club and they say, we think it's time. Should they have run Monday round again? Or my feeling is no. My feeling, yeah, is my no. feeling last year was no. Like, yeah. and we do look back and reflect on. Oh, it'd be great to have David Mundy out there, but this wasn't 2021. David Mundy last year, he fell off a little bit compared to the magnificent season he had in 2021. I think he polled 20 votes, so he wasn't yeah. at that standard. And I think it was time to move on uh, with David Mundy. But unfortunately, when you lose a few in a cluster, it's made a pretty big difference to their fortunes. This season. Acres is an interesting one, isn't it? Because they pretty much basically said to him, look, hmm. we don't value that highly. The, the contract that they offered was the message to Blake Acres was we we don't hold you in that high value. We think you're replaceable. I've been but, wrangling with this one, Duff, because we give the Eagles a hard time for giving some of their senior players what they want, two years. Yep. And the Dockers didn't do that. They did the opposite. So they had Managers, strong managers come to their football club of their players. Rory Lobb included early on getting towards the back end of his contract. A longer extension was wanted by them. And then Blake Akers wanted longer and better money and also Griffin Logue. But the Dockers actually, in some ways, did the right thing and didn't pander to the demands of those managers and the players. But in the end, they still cop it because they lose so much experience out of their team. Interested to get your thoughts on Logue versus Cox with the changes in the game. Logue is more athletic, closing speed, et cetera, et cetera. With the game being played the way it is and the interceptors, I think, finding it tougher to mm. just read the play and sag off and, and intercept Mark. Is Brennan Cox being marginalised a little bit? And the, the feeling of the club, that I, I got the clear feeling that the club thought, we'd like to keep Griffin Logue, but we can't possibly pay more than Brennan Cox and Alex Pierce because we think they're better. Yeah. But the way the game is being played... Is Brennan Cox necessarily a better bet than Griffin Logue? Well, Griffin Logue's not setting the world on fire either. He's come in for a bit of scrutiny too. I think Kane Corns lined him up last night on one of the shows in relation to his weight. He thought that he was carrying a little bit this year, which he's never been the case for Griffin Logue. He's always been super fit. But competitions and teams are so smart at working out threats from the opposition. And Brennan Cox has been that threat for the Dockers, that if you just bomb the ball in, he will mark it and become one of the better intercept markers in the competition. You look at St Kilda and their success and what Port Adelaide did to them. They switched the ball. They got it away from just going down the line, Mm. refused to do it. We see that against Melbourne um, with Lever and May. So you've got to have different options, I guess, in your back half, be able to win that ball back. 
and he's just been a little bit laconic at the moment. Brennan Cox not setting the world on fire, and you just wonder, is it worth it long? And I've been I've been on this bandwagon for a long time. Just throw him forward. They're one short potentially in the forward line. Could it be this week when you take on the Hawks, who've really only got Mitch Lewis, uh, Fergus Green's mid-size? I know they'll have a resting Ruckman, but. If you're ever going to do it, I reckon this week could be the week to put Brennan Cox in the forward line and just have a look and see how it works because it's going to help Jai Amos and it's going to help Luke Jackson having another one down there. Yeah, Jai Amos over the last two weeks has been buffeted out of the way and, and mm. pushed, pushed around a little bit, hasn't he? And that's going to happen a bit given his frame at the moment. So it's going to be fascinating to see how they manage that. So give me, tell me about the effort against Brisbane. What did you like? What did you not like? I liked it. I actually liked it because we've been sitting here, we've been demanding that. There was one I didn't, word. I didn't. One word you asked me last week was what they need to bring, and it was the intent, is what I mentioned. Yep. And Longy said after the game, dare and intent. And we saw that. They tried something different, and they had to. And whether or not that's just for this week because they played Brisbane, they thought they had to do something different up there, or whether this is the start of a bit of change. Now, the balance wasn't right. There was times when they just overkilled with their handball, and because they haven't trained it. They're 12 weeks behind every other club that actually started playing this way way back in preseason. So there's going to be a catch-up factor with that. And there's an element of maybe some of their players aren't skilled enough to execute because they did a lot of it right, but it was that one or two possession, whether it was the inside 50 kick, whether it was the last handball in the chain, it just came undone. But I felt they're closer now than they ever have been to getting back towards the finals and maybe getting back towards top four next year than they were last week when they were playing the slower laborious type of football that we saw to start this season. So I wondered whether they'd picked the wrong venue to do it at. The humid conditions, the slippery ball, it looked like um, mm. I've never seen Lockie Schultz fumble so much and a few of, a few of the others also had, had fumbles. You mentioned that last handball in the chain. That came unstuck quite a bit, didn't it? It did, yeah. So, you know, you can start it this week. Or you can actually put together six or eight weeks. And I think it's going to take that long for them to really start to master it. Now, they get a good chance against Hawthorne, and they should get the result, hopefully, this weekend against them. But it's about, for me, setting yourself up now for a game plan that gives you all facets. So we know that they can play controlled footy, and you still need to play controlled footy. You can't go 100% all the time. So now they add that element into their game from the back half. They turn it over. They can do the run through by hand. And if they can introduce quicker ball movement by foot, I think then they have all bases covered. And it won't be for this year, but it'll set them up well for next year when they get a few reinforcements, hopefully. But in their forward line, they need one or two changes going into next season. I thought Matt Johnson played well. I thought Mm. that was his best game of AFL footy. It's a shame about the suspension, but that's what you're going to get when you throw a bloke to the ground now. Um, How did you rate him? And do they need to stay with Neil Erasmus as well, get games into these players? Absolutely, yeah. Liked his game, particularly the second half. There was a few errors in the first half, but that's going to come with young players. And handling those conditions at the Gabba is not always easy, a bit of dew on the footy, but he worked himself into it. And you can see it every week. He's building, he's growing in confidence. We've spoken a bit before about his ability to win the ball and and make the right choice with the option. And it's not always the first choice. And I think one of the biggest things in modern day footy are the players that can 
you know, not give the easy option. You've actually got to give a license to some that can find the harder option that's going to lead to a better inside 50 entry or an easier shot on goal down the chain. Because if you just give the easy option, defences are so well drilled at knowing where the ball's going, they shift across, and then you've got to get through all of them. So I think he can add that to the Fremantle Dockers in time. Neil Erasmus, absolutely, it's time. You brought him in for the sub role. He logically should come in and play the same role as Johnson. Throw him through the inside mid as well, because we know that's his strength, and you'd be setting up to setting him up to fail if you just put him on the wing. So I think he needs to go through both of those positions. And Carl Warner is the other one. Is it time that we had a look at somebody different? He's playing some good football for Peel Thunder. I was going to ask you about that, and um, to me. He gets better every week, and you get to a point where if you don't play them at that point in time, they go over the hump a little bit, and then mm. they, they come in when they're over the other side and not feeling as good about themselves. To me, it's cherry ripe for Warner to play, isn't it? Home game, um, you know, against a bottom team, surely you play him. And it's not a big call on Ethan Hughes, is it? Like, I think he's had a good block, but you just wonder, where's the ceiling for Ethan Hughes? Is he, is he close to it? Because he's not a young player. And then is that ceiling enough for your wing position? And we're seeing across the competition, Travis Bokes played that. Still side bottoms doing it as well as any. Ed Langdon's done it for a long time. So there's still, I think, a bit of value to be put in that position. I just think Ethan Hughes, while he he tries hard and he gives you probably a bit of stability defensively, I just think we're not going to see the upside that you need from that position. And and the other one is James H. Like, is he going to turn that into a position that's really threatening and dangerous. I think he does his better work when he's on the inside. So for mine, they need to find another wing, and let's find out this weekend with two different ones, potentially with Erasmus at times, and also Carl Warner. I wonder whether the way they try and take the game on is the right way, Hayes. The the high handball from deep in defence. If you look at Collingwood, Collingwood gets the decisive kick. Hmm. To the yep. counter-attack position, and that, that's the that's the genius of Dacos, isn't it? Really, that one kick that changes the game completely. Could Aish be a player that can see that and hit that if he was playing in defence as opposed to on a wing? Oh, no, I don't. I don't think he's penetrating enough with that kick, and I don't right. think he's crafty enough to move around and get himself out of tough positions, which is what Nick Dacos does. We're talking about one of the greats of all time, in my belief. Nick Dacos will be. So you can't just throw any player on your team to think he can do what Nick Dacos does. But you're right; they need that sort of player. Mm. But they need all three modes. So, you know, the mode of kicking the ball where they do go wide and they sort of shift the defence a little bit that way and they're looking for gaps to go into. The mode to move it quickly when it does present with a handball. And the third one, as you said, the mode to move it quickly. It doesn't have to be instant, but it's always you might go left or right with your kick, but then the next one is setting yourself up to go corridor and then to get the run from behind through the corridor and hopefully you're coming through the centre of the ground towards the front of the centre square to get your launch pad inside your forward 50 from that position. One last one from me. Nathan Five hypothetically, is fit this week. Does he play waffle? Does he play AFL first 22? Does he play AFL as sub? Two weeks ago, I was certain that he comes back through the waffle. But I think I've changed on that. I think they need somebody in there from a contested possession point of view. And I like what Longy did with the forward line. He's put Jagro Mira in there. So he's always been a coach that's had all forwards inside your forward 50 
or your forward line. So seven, basically, six on the ground, one on the bench. But he's put O'Meara there. We saw Brayshaw swap through there a few times as well. And they got four goals from those players. Now, whether that's a result of the change in the game style that they are running through a bit more, I'm not quite sure. But I think there's a position for them to do that with O'Meara, Fife, Brayshaw, Brody at times rotating through that position so it gives them a bit more flexibility at the right time to better themselves to win those contested possession counts of which they've been flogged every single game. I'm, I've lied to you. I'm going to ask you one more. Does Fremantle take a pick at the mid-season draft and if they do, what do they need? They need a key forward that can kick 60 goals. Are you going to find that in the mid-season draft with their pick? Jack... Jack Buller Buller would be there. Would the, be nice. Will one. he be there? Not quite sure. But, yeah, you look around the competition, and again, I think over the preseason, they failed just to bring in another one. They brought in Josh Corbett, but they're not using him. But, yep. you know, whether it was a Josh Shackey, whether it was a Sam Wiedemann that's actually playing pretty well, kick five on the weekend, just, just an extra option to try and help out that forward line. Or hopefully they've got big plans to bring somebody in at the end of this year, but they don't have anything to pay for it because they've given away their first pick. Paul Hazelby, as uh, Dirk says on the temporary bedshed text line, I love hearing Hayes' analysis on the game. Thank you very much for joining us, mate. Well played. Thank you, mate. Always a pleasure.